From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Joining me now, Seth Barron. Hey, Seth, how are you? I'm well, Pat. How are you? I'm fine. How are you enjoying the teen? Uh, oh, the teen? Is that what we're calling it? Um, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm not enjoying it as much as... Um, I mean, in a weird way, I feel like this is something I've been practicing for my whole life. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. Just being inside all the time, mm-hmm. kind of one day flowing into another day. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of staring at glowing rectangles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, doesn't really matter what the weather is. Kind of better when it's raining. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, sleeping odd hours. So, yeah, in a weird way, it, it is something that I've been training for my whole life and yet it's not as much fun as one might expect yeah i guess it's a little bit of a letdown once you get there it's sort of like uh you know what if it's sort of like the olympics i feel Mm. because where do you go from here endorsements you know for what right you know a lot of people keep talking about all these trying times and everything i I feel like we get that that emotional uh baggage from from de blasio quite a bit you know what i mean Yes, well, he, he's certainly, like, amping it up. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, I think if, if, I, if I or a loved one were sick with coronavirus and in the hospital, it would certainly be a lot more um, stressful. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it wouldn't uh, do much to alleviate your stress to have de Blasio, you know, giving his song and dance, I wouldn't think. No. Uh, here we have, uh, I, I'm reading from, I don't know what, article this is actually i'm gonna trust that it's all good i saw it on a tweet and i liked it it says uh, shortly thereafter this is about de blasio's reaction uh, his response to the virus shortly thereafter he declined to cancel saint patrick's day parade then did he resisted calls to cancel regular street sweeping and then did he had a photo op at a 311 call center where he told a caller who had just returned from italy that she did not need to self-quarantine uh advice that f- 3112 to actually call the woman back and tell her to stay inside for 14 days. And it goes on like this, you know, uh, the mayor. Yeah, I followed a lot of that. In fact, I was at a press conference where I said to him, uh, well, you keep talking about how there's 1200 beds and you have this 12 extra capacity of 1200 beds. But if you look at the numbers, that doesn't sound like that many. And he was like, what are you talking about? It's on tape. I should I should um, excerpt that. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like he just he scoffed. He totally scoffed like audibly and visibly when I said that. And now it's like well, of course it's now he's acting like he always knew it wasn't enough. Well, he's always thought he wasn't getting enough from the federal government, but he never has thought that the city itself was to blame for anything. That was kind of the way it seemed to me. Well, here's something that I'm working on. Um, I'm writing this up, and it'll probably have appeared by the time this show comes out. Here's the thing. All right, after Hurricane Sandy, New York City got very into readiness and preparedness. At least it would tell everyone to get prepared right. for themselves. And I don't know if you saw, ever saw these ads on the subway, but they ran them all over the place about preparing a go bag. And it said basically like a bug out kit, like get ready because bad things can happen and you basically have to take care of yourself. And you know what? 
I kind of appreciate that the government was essentially telling everyone to go become a prepper. Like, we're not going to help sure. you. It's like, all right, yeah. at least they're being honest. So they said, so, you know, put together a kit for everybody in your family. You got to have food. You got to have water. And one of the things they suggest you, you add to your kit is face masks. Okay, probably a good idea. Well, you could wonder, gee, um, de Blasio's been in charge for seven years. He's um, overseen like a massive expansion of city spending, like tens and tens of billions of extra dollars. And it never occurred to him to, um, why not like just buy a few million face masks? It would have cost like nothing. Uh, yeah. Why didn't they stock up? He was telling everybody else to stock up. Now, let's say, okay, ventilators, look, maybe that's, maybe there's not any reason for a city to stockpile tens of thousands of ventilators. Okay, fair enough. But face masks and hand sanitizer, all the stuff that he's demanding the federal government, like, hand over stat. And he's been saying for yeah. weeks. Well, I mean, Ventilators, okay. I could see that maybe that's a federal thing. But hand sanitizer and masks and hospital gowns, that seems like the type of thing that a city, especially New York size, could manage to, uh, you know, stock up on. It wouldn't really sure. have been that big a deal, given the billions of dollars they waste on everything else. So that's my take on this right now. Yeah, I think it's a good take. And I think it's it's a, it's a good point because we have the billion dollars spent on the on the thrive initiative which i still uh, like anybody i don't i don't really see any results from that it's I, I guess the the great thing about thrive now is if hey if you have any mental health problems as a result of this here's a hotline you know actually it's funny that you mentioned that because i i saw somewhere that they were saying yeah we need to put together a um, a special mental health task force to deal with the fallout from coronavirus and it's like huh. isn't isn't that what thrive was there for but apparently no this has to be a different <laughs> well you know that's what they mean i guess when they say you never waste a crisis or let a crisis go to waste or however it is that they say that's uh i forget who said it you probably know well it's been attributed to Winston Churchill and Rahm Emanuel and all kinds of people. Wow, he's in Rahm Emanuel really levels up there, doesn't With he? Churchill, uh, yeah. Is, yeah. I'd say so. Uh, in New York City, uh, according to uh, looks like the Daily News, uh, they're going to deploy police officers and workers from other government agencies to uh, parks and playgrounds and step up enforcement on social distancing rules. Good. Which, yeah, I mean, they, they could do that year round, you know, really. <laughs> Uh, okay uh, it seems to have yeah i mean i when do you want to be less than six feet away from uh, a stranger never and they uh, crime has has really dipped down like between 17 and 25 percent depending on which which uh week you're looking at that's pretty good and 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 to think that all we had to do was sequester ourselves in our homes and and not go to work well, I guess there's two things. I mean, the some of the criminals are probably observing it and staying inside. And um, all of their uh, victims are definitely staying inside. Yeah, the law-abiding people. Who, yeah, like the, um, the prey. The, <laughs> the prey staying in its hole. Kind of. I mean, I guess, unless 
you know, I mean, I guess a lot of the time the victims, I mean, the the uh, the predator and the prey come from the same. Um, gee, I don't know. Look, it's, whatever's whatever's happening, it's definitely peaceable. Yeah, it is. It is. It's nice. I mean, I'm not saying though that I would necessarily trade having um, a cratered economy and forced quarantine for a lower crime rate. I mean, no. I think I would rather have like, rather have like general, uh, you know, generally have people have jobs and outspending money and stuff than for everyone to be um, totally poor. That is the best compromise in that situation, isn't it? But it looks like the compromise we might get once they let everybody out of the jails is that we'll have plenty of crime. Everyone be poor and lots of crime. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the coronavirus... Uh, you know, as I read from this editorial, it's hit New Yorkers hard among the places where the contagion is presenting an especially acute challenge are the jails and uh, confined spaces. Many people living in close proximity to each other, lockup conditions, perfect breeding ground for the disease. Uh, Rikers Island Prison could be one of the worst examples in the country. Ever more cases of inmates and guards coming down with the bug pressure building for the state, the courts and prosecutors to both stop sending criminals to jail and start emptying out facilities. And I agree with this writer. It's uh, Jonathan S. Tobin. It's madness. A real solution uh, has to be more targeted and careful. It's ridiculous to, to just like to see that as a solution that like, well, we have all these guys who are either infected with coronavirus yeah. or will be soon uh, and just let them out, you know. And by the way, everybody else, go home. Well, here's the thing. When the people who are pushing this, they were pushing this before. So it's yes. hard to take them very seriously because before this happened, they wanted everyone let out of jail. And now that yeah. it's happened, they want everyone let out of jail. So it's like, well, how is how does this... Why, why should we listen to you? You were you were saying this before, and it wasn't a very good idea, and it still doesn't sound like a good idea. Well, it sounds like an even worse idea. It sounds know, like a now worse we have idea. Yeah, infected prisoners. Uh, they have uh, some prisoner releases have already begun in Jersey. Uh, roughly a thousand inmates held on low level offenses or probation violations. They're ordered released. Uh, Mayor De Blasio said the city is considering releasing hundreds including those nearing the ends of their sentences. I think that that would be the least egregious way to do it, knock a little bit of time off somebody's sentence if it was like only a few months or something. But uh, at the same time, you know, uh, I don't know that they're going to be able to get that uh, to get that specific on some of these things. You know, I, it, it just seems as if like uh, like the idea is to turn it upside down and just and just watch them run. Uh, I think that they would be OK with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine said he's been looking at Elon Omar's um, Twitter feed, mm -hmm. and he's a, she, she just seems to be tickled pink about the whole thing. Like all she keeps saying is like, "Let empty the jails, uh, stop it, like end ICE, let all the people in like immigration detention out." Like everyone who hates America is really happy about this. Yeah. It seems as if that's the case. And and really, I love America, you know, I mean, but it's the freedom that I always have loved. And, you know, you take that out of the equation and you start to think, wow, these emergency powers, you know, to cut to it are sort of like hard to claw back once 
once they have them, you know, like uh, the governor has emergency powers, uh, de Blasio has emergency powers, and those are pretty extensive, you know. I mean, he can actually completely shut down people coming and going from the city. It's pretty remarkable, uh, you know, the amount of, uh, the just the amount of, of power that they do get in these situations. Yeah, well, I don't know um, if anybody else remembers um, the book Aerosmith by Sinclair Lewis about like a uh, a public health officer in the 20s and i guess he faces like a yellow fever epidemic and that that's the book that really opened my eyes to the power of the public health administration in time of crisis quarantine is it's basically an absolute power i mean they can essentially do anything they want if they really push it uh you know they can t- say you are not allowed to leave your house yeah. And they don't need a judge to um to rule on that. They can just say, "Yeah, you're you're staying in your house." You know, if they if look, if they took this seriously, which I don't think they are, they could um they could really enforce social Look, here's the thing about this virus, um Pat, is theoretically, okay, it has like say from the time you get it until you know, say three weeks after you get it, either you're recovered or you're dead. Um, so in theory, you could just lock everyone down for three weeks and the virus would be gone. Um, now, of course, it doesn't work perfectly because you're never going to have it 100% locked down and people have to go out to get food and there's health workers and, you know, people will come into the city who have it and, you know, stuff like that. But it is possible to get rid of it. I mean, as you know, in China, they seem to be doing a reasonable job just through like strict, harsh authoritarian measures. Right. Just look at the numbers that they're serving up, right? Those have got to be right. Uh, well, you know, they who, who knows what their numbers really are. Well, you know, but, Italy, uh, I from what I understand, their real number, because they... They have been uh, anybody who is diagnosed with coronavirus and then dies. They are marking them down as died of coronavirus, whether they whether they did or not. And they yeah. they estimate now the the real number is more like about twelve percent of of the number that they previously reported. Twelve percent. It could be. It could be. You know. Yeah, um, it's, it's, but, but look. If we want, we we are at the point now where we can see that social isolation is working because new hospitalizations are slowing down. They are. That's what you want to see. You don't. What you're scared about is if new hospitalizations hospitalizations are accelerating. There's still people going to the hospital, but it's um. But the the numbers are going down. Okay. So if it was 500 one day and then it's 400 the next day, well, that's a positive sign. That indicates that, that 10 days ago there were fewer new infections. Now, there shouldn't be that many new infections. Um, the problem is, you know, if you've got kids who are refusing to, to observe it or you've got, you know, some communities in the city refusing to observe it, well, you're going to have trouble. So, you know, look, some of us have thought that, New York City could use a little martial law. 
Uh, so maybe now's the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just I'm just being facetious there. I, I don't really I don't really want us to have martial law, but I do want people to to observe the quarantine. Like, yeah. You know, well, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it does no good unless unless it's kind of borderline unanimous anyway. And uh, the like you mentioned, the some communities that are that are not into it. I think it is a difficult to police uh, kind of a situation. And, and really, this is it, it, the whole thing is unprecedented. So who knows what the rules are, really? Uh, from day to day, it, it seems to change. Uh, although, I have to say, it doesn't seem like it's changed much in the last 10 days or so now. Uh, everybody's settled into it. It, it. It's amazing how fast people do accept it, really. Kind of. I mean, haven't you gotten sort of used to it? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like uh you know, I dread when it's over almost. When it does when when the city does come back to life, it's going to be uh it might be kind of a, a rude awakening. Um could be. I mean, I think probably a lot of people uh you know, I mean, I have to say I definitely feel bad for people who work in the service industry, people who own stores. I mean, there must be a lot of um comedians who aren't able to go and do stand-up comedy for instance. thank god i, I left show I business i'm so happy about that i know you must be psyched um look it's it, it's a terrible thing and you know i god, god willing everybody will get back to work soon yeah of course um, yeah and and you know that now i what is an essential worker that's something i was talking about with a, a guy in the last episode what what is when you when you start talking about essential workers i mean it really you know, construction workers. Uh, you know, they they uh, are now out of a. They're they're now taking off because of uh, Cuomo. They're declared non-essential. I, I I don't see how you can say construction is non-essential, but liquor stores are essential. Right. Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, if we had, if we were like a lot of places, and liquor stores could sell liquor in grocery stores, then I guess liquor stores would not be essential. You mean you can't? Oh, I didn't know that you couldn't sell liquor in grocery stores here. That is like a. That seems like a small... You've never noticed that the grocery store doesn't sell liquor? I've never been a drinker in the city of New York, so I just didn't... And, and oh, I, I very seldom have yeah. I been a grocery buyer in the city of New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. May I ask why... I read that uh, and, and saw that de Blasio is kind of like uh, playing it tight and... Uh, you know, very careful with the stats, like not really uh, coughing up the information about hospital beds and, you know, the numbers of, you know, just just how much they have of everything, except to say, like, we have capacity. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, he, he was really cagey about it. Why would that be, do you think? New York City, um, despite its reputation as like super liberal and super open, is very um, cherry with giving out um, data. For instance, the NYPD data, like, you know, there's CompStat, which is a public-facing, you know, data platform where you can get in there. But really, they give you very little information. I mean, they'll get put out a weekly bulletin of crimes for that week, but you can't really see what's going on in order to compare like, you know, rates of crime over this period versus that period or what's happening in this neighborhood and that neighborhood or what's going on with burglaries. They, they don't let you see it. Um, for instance, a friend of mine showed me that in Chicago, okay, 
you can look you can look up in Chicago on Chicago's website. This is open to the public. It'll show you everyone who was arrested, say, in the last couple of days. You can sort it by what crime they were arrested for. They'll show you their mugshot. You can click on them and see what their record is and all the other stuff they've been arrested for. All kinds of things like that. You can't get anything like that in New York. Nothing. Zip. There's no transparency about, about basically anything. You really have to dig. So the fact that they're not putting out a lot of information about um, this is not that surprising to I me. See. And trust me, I mean, I've been watching and paying attention. For instance, every day at around f- five or six, they they post a PDF with like the 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 latest update on like say the the number of deaths and the number of hospitalizations and new cases and all this stuff, but they overwrite the previous days. So you're like, oh, look, there's 700 deaths in New York City total. How many were there yesterday? Well, they won't tell you. They won't show you. So look, there's all kinds of data that people would like to know. I'd like to know the demographics. Oh, they'll tell you what the ages of people who died are. But hey, how about by race? That'd be interesting to know. What neighborhoods are most severely hurt? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're not. They, they don't tell you anything. They're very. Um, they don't. They don't want it to get out. Well, if you it's know. A, if it's. I mean, ask you, if it's a PDF, then don't you? Don't, isn't that saved? I mean, I don't mean to reveal an ignorance here, but like a, when I get a PDF, I download it and then I have like I have to reference it. You'd have to reference it from the. Yeah, yeah, you can. But why? I mean, why does the city demand that everyone? have to print out or screenshot or download and save the previous day's PDFs and then dig them all up to compare them. Right. Why can't they just have, oh, here's how many di- died yesterday, the day before, the day before, the day before, the day before, and here's today. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, they've got enough number crunching guys to to do that kind of thing, you would think. And 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 really yeah. PDFs are something that like they know that people just might not fuck with quite as much. Like, like when course. you see an article and you see in the middle of the screen, there's one of those. It's not even a PDF. It's just like a uh, it's like a reader thing. It's like very hard to operate. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. they don't want you reading that. Oh, basically. Yeah. Uh, basically. Well, here's a crime. A Manhattan oh. man charged with fatally stabbing a woman in the lobby of a low rent Harlem hotel. Oh, As 34 year old uh, Alacran Hamza. I feel like I just summoned some kind of genie or something. Oh. Uh, wandering the street, he was uh, shirtless with a knife still in his hand. Cops took him into custody about 10:30 a.m. Thursday. Moments earlier, what hotel was uh, it? This was a place. This is a lovely place, and you'll know it once I mention it. The Hotel Hamilton on West 145th Street near Amsterdam. Ah, yes. Hot sheets. <laughs> I would think. Yeah, moments earlier. I think I, I think I have driven by it, but I don't know it well. The Hotel Hamilton. It's. Uh, I don't know what it costs to get a room there, but I bet you the rooms are cheaper than ever since tourism has probably been impacted by the. I fires. wonder if it's on um, hotels. Like I have a um, like I have this app on my phone, Hotel Tonight. And it'll show you like the great, the latest deals. Right. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Hotel immediately. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
Latoya Wright, 42 yeah, right. years old, is who he stabbed. And uh, she had stumbled out of the Hotel Hamilton near Amsterdam, covered in blood. Uh, medics took her to Harlem Hospital. She could not be saved. They were staying overnight in a room on the top floor. Well, they got the, mm, the, the top floor. The, the, the penthouse. Yes. Uh, police, uh, they, they couldn't say how the pair knew each other. I guess it's a secret. Mm. Uh, worker said Hamza chased right, chased her into the lobby and then repeatedly stabbed her. You want to get that done in the room, if at all possible. You got more time to think, you know? Right. If you, right, if you right. can't get her before she gets out of the lobby, you might want to rethink. You might want to just let her leave and get her outdoors at that point, you know? Sure. Try to you know, make sure she doesn't jump in a cab. Sure. I mean, really, uh, it's not the way I would have played it. You know? I mean, there's a, it's just like jumping in the water. There's a, you know, a lot of ways to do it, but the, there is a, a right way. Right. I'm looking at the uh, website right now. Well, I'm looking at the Google page for it. It has three stars. Three stars. Uh, 3.2 stars. Fair. 140. It has a lot of reviews. It has some Yelp um, reviews. Clean. Staff was nice. <laughs> Small old bed. Dirty sheets. Absolutely gross. Oh, yeah. That's a review. When you go, oh, is it really? When you go to the Hotel Hamilton, you do not expect that. You do not expect that. See, that's shocking to me. Let me see what it would cost to check in on... Well, let me see if I can get it closer to today. Yeah. See see what it would cost to get a room there. Uh, because... Uh, oh, they say you have to call or visit website for rates. Well, let me get to the website. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm willing to chase this down as far as, as long as it well, takes. Well, there's not a lot cause... of crime going on, so this is the type of thing we've got to do. Oh, well, you know, I, I have no problem with it. Trust me. Trust me. I, I find this shit fascinating. You know, the precincts have reviews as well, Yelp reviews, like a Yelp review of the 114th precinct. Oh, really? What do they say? Oh, they say, like, my friend got arrested and you would not believe how rude these people are. <laughs> Shit. Or I turned in a lost wallet and it took me two hours, you know, and then sometimes it'll be like this glowing review, nothing wrong at all. And then they go four stars instead of five. Mm. I find that to be odd. Photos. Oh, well, one of the rooms has a very kind of artistic... It looks like a picture, if like Leroy Neiman paint. Oh, no, no, here's what it is. It's like a collage that makes up Obama's face. Uh, that's, that's. Wow. Like, yeah, in the lobby. Collage that makes up Obama's face. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is in the lobby. They have it. Okay, in the lobby, there's a, um, there's like one of those bun, uh, coffee makers with two things there's a microwave there is a purell dispenser there's a water cooler um the room eh, the room looks okay i mean I, I can't say the room looks i mean it's probably like very much um i mean it's a it's a uh it's a promotional picture uh, the bathroom, oh, right. yeah, the so, bathroom. You know, it's yeah. kind of, they're kind of going for the Harlem Renaissance look by not like having updated anything in a long time. Um, yes, 
I love that look. Here, I've had it in most places. Yeah. Here, the business owner posts a picture on the Yelp thing that says, please respect hotel, like a sign that's posted outside this outside the hotel. Please respect hotel guests' privacy by keeping volume controlled during our quiet hours of 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. So I guess the people who, the guy who stabbed the woman probably violated the quiet room policy. Um, here's another interesting thing. At the check, at the, at the guest desk, like where you register, it, there's a plexiglass um, barrier like it's at a bank. So usually, huh, usually hotels don't have that. Right. Yeah. Not. Not always. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> they do. <laughs> so that's that's not a great sign. It's um, it's it's it. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't it doesn't give you a lot of confidence, but it does make you want to be quiet between nine and seven. Oh yeah. And I would recommend it if you go there to obey the rules to the letter, and just uh, keep your head down and and definitely check the mattress before you and don't take your clothing uh, out of the suitcase. And use your shoes as your pillow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe sleep outdoors. <laughs> a sure, sure. A Queens man stabbed a Queens man stabbed his ninety six year old grandmother to death mm. and de decapitating her before killing himself. Mm. How did he yeah, oh, did he did he then decapitate himself? God, he must have, right? Uh, it, it's George Katsikas, oh. uh, a Greek a Greek gentleman, Greek 50 fellow. years old, knifed his grandmother, identified by sources as uh, uh, Ida, Ida Petruzella in the chest multiple times in the family's home. Wow. Uh, 14th place in Astoria. Uh, now, uh, authorities responded to the home after uh, Katsikas' mother heard, heard uh, screaming. So Katsika's mother so heard he screaming. Killed his grandmother. She must have just been like, like driving him crazy. Yeah, I mean, really, <laughs> but yeah. Can you imagine? Probably like decades and decades of being like harangued by this like old mustachioed lady. Like probably like about <laughs> she was probably about four foot six by the at the, at, uh -huh. by, the by this time. Uh huh. Just like. Yelling that he bought the wrong kind of squid, telling him to go back and get the the other kind of olive oil, uh -huh. telling him that I mean, I'm sure, you know, I suspect that he's probably been lived they've all been living in the same, you know, two family house in Astoria since his he was born. Yeah, he lives downstairs with her and and his mother lives upstairs. He lives with his grandmother downstairs. Holy yeah. fucking shit. She's probably out there like picking dandelions to cook for dinner and he's just uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Petruzella was found decapitated and Katsikas had several self-inflicted stab wounds to the neck. Oh, so yeah, he, that's the way 
he gave it to himself. Just uh, hey, man. He, you know, everybody's got to die sometime. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, authorities pronounce them both dead at the scene. Katsikas was la- he, this guy was last seen walking in the neighborhood earlier on Thursday morning when he kicked a woman's dog after she greeted him. Mm, that's no Critically. way to be. <laughs> that's the last. <laughs> that's his last. Uh, why be like? Why be like that? <laughs> his last. <laughs> I mean, you know. Do you think he had already killed the grandmother at that point? Or no? You know what? Probably not. Because because, the mother heard the screaming. Is that right? Well, the mother heard the screaming and called the police and the police responded. So, yeah. Yeah. Once she was screaming, I'd say that that probably only intensified his desire to knife himself and and take himself out. I don't think it's that easy to, like, to kill yourself with a knife in the throat. No, it's not. I mean, you got to mean it. Right. You can't just like do tentative little You know what I'm reading right now? If I if you don't mind if I um No, please. Here's my quarantine reading. I'm reading um Fatal Vision by Joe McGinnis about Jeffrey McDonald. This was a huge case in the late 70s and early 80s. They made a movie about it with Carl Malden and Gary Cole. It was like a big TV spectacular like Jeffrey McDonald was the guy who he was a Green Beret doctor who claimed, this was in February of 1970, he claimed that he woke up and there were these hippies in his house who um, were chanting, acid is groovy, kill the pigs. And uh-huh. they slaughtered his wife and two little daughters and he was left with like a little ice pick wound that, that like punctured a lung, kind of. And it was clearly like so. So he he's been in prison for years, um, but he he insists that he's um not that he's innocent. Right, right. Um, you never heard of this case? Well, yeah. Uh, it seems like I remember on the headboard of of one of the uh, beds, it was uh, the word pig. pig. Was written yes, there. yes, yes. Um, my dad. You know, he's not always the funniest guy, but he said when he first heard about this, he was like, acid is groovy, kill the pigs. That sounds exactly like what a Green Beret who had just killed his family. He would like make that up as like, oh, this is what hippies say. Yeah, uh, totally. It sounds, <laughs> you know, just... Yeah, it sounds like, sounds like the Green Beret take on hippie murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that was like a self-inflicted wound. And he was a surgeon, so he knew exactly how to puncture his lung without doing any serious damage and this was just a few months after the, the tate's uh, yes. lobby uh labianca murders yeah interesting yeah so that's that was kind of in everybody's mind right so like they were like hold on a second you're the two-year-old and the four-year-old their heads have been crushed and they've been stabbed 40 times each your wife has been like like stabbed 60 times and you have a little bruise and an abrasion on your. <laughs> They're like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, anyway, that's kind of what that's what I think of when I think of self-inflicted wounds, not like actually like slicing your carotid artery open or whatever this this fellow did in Queens. No, yeah, that, this guy was not trying to pull a, a Doctor McDonald. He was definitely. Trying to cut his own head off, he is probably like cartoon thinking. You know, I'll just slice my own head off. You know, but uh, he, I, it just seems like it would hurt. Have you ever imagined? Sometimes I've imagined like 
like you cross your legs, cross one leg on top of the other, and then just picture somebody or like your arm, like your forearm. Imagine taking a hacksaw and just like sawing through your your forearm, <laughs> just like very yeah. like kind of just sort of like you're sawing a board. Like that would be hard as hell to do. Yeah, no, it would. It, it, even <laughs> if you were, I mean, the guy, the the guy trapped in the rocks, right? And he has to cut his arm off. Yes, yeah. Uh, it, it, that even in a situation like that, it's it's just uh, all, it's almost unimaginable. But just to do it like you're <laughs> describing, just because you're like, bored or something, with a, with a pipe in your mouth, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to flinch, <laughs> like oh, just a, just a like you know just a. Like a hob, like a hobbyist carpenter. So okay, you want to hear about this violent Brooklyn man yeah. who uh, punched, punched, kicked, and tackled by cops in a startling incident, caught on video. He met with the Brooklyn DA Wednesday to discuss dropping the charges brought against him. It's twenty-year-old Fitzroy Gale. Fitzroy. And he was accosted March fourth. He was accosted. Uh, outside Canarsie Park by a plainclothes NYPD officer who would not show identification. Now, what is it he had done? I'm sorry, I I, I didn't hear what his, his offense was. Oh, well, he, he was punched, kicked, and tackled by cops in a startling incident. Oh. This guy. Oh, okay. So he's the he's the victim here, but oh. he has charges against him for some reason. Uh, the cops just came up. It sounds like accosted him and then punched him and tackled him. Uh, I mean, like there may be part of the story we're not getting. This is from the New York Daily News. Uh, he was uh, accosted by this plainclothes NYPD officer who would not show identification. Which uh, that's kind of like uh, that's that's it. Usually goes the other way around, doesn't it? That the uh, the, uh, some sort of a suspect or the non-cop won't show identification right. uh, but this guy wouldn't show this guy this kid this 20 year old his identification cell phone video taken by a bystander shows gail protesting his innocence before about six plainclothes cops tackle him <laughs> about about six seems as if they would be able to to, to get the exact number on that they, they tackle him kicking and punching him before carting him off at least they didn't steal his jordans uh, Gail was charged with resisting arrest, obstruction of government administration, possession of marijuana. Cops were responding to an NYPD shot spotter alert that gunfire had been detected in the area. Oh. That's this uh, that that system that they they only put in a few years ago, which actually knows uh, when at any time like a, a gunshot uh, occurs, it it somehow vibrations in the earth or something. Do you know how that works? Yeah, it just. It 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 knows what the um what a gunshot sounds like. It's got a it's got a microphone and a computer in it that uh you know can identify the I guess you know the what would you call it the sound the spectrum pitch? signature uh, yeah or whatever it is. Well, and so identify how many mics do they do they have out there? A bunch, you know. It, 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 I guess it's every so off, every you know, every few blocks, and then it can it picks it up. I mean, gunshots are pretty loud, kind of like the cameras, I guess. And apparently, you know, I, I actually had done some research into this. Apparently, there's a fair number of um, gunshots that there's a lot of gunshots that go off that don't necessarily get called in or result in reports of shootings. So, right. you know, people are shooting guns a lot. Basically. Yeah, sometimes like a bunch of guys get excited about winning a soccer game and they just like start firing into the air. Hey, why not? I know that happens in some 
uh, cops, uh, like I said, responding to that shot spotter, they they spotted Gail then, an 18-year-old man smoking marijuana. Oh. Gail and his pal ran off in different directions. Oh. Sparking the confrontation. So Gail's civil lawyers, civil lawyers, mm. they say prosecutors promised to make a decision on whether to drop the charges uh, with regard to the criminal charges, which were brought by the police officers who stomped on him, this his lawyer says, who threw him to the ground. Those charges will be reviewed by the district attorney's office. And that's according to none other than Sanford Rubinstein. Sanford Rubinstein. He says he's confident they won't prosecute. You know Rubinstein. He's always he's always trying to uh, anybody who has trouble with the cops, he's your guy. He's like a big celebrity lawyer type. Yeah. Weird looking guy. He's sort of like a mix between like Don Knotts and Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> a little bit, little bit. And he likes these enormous black women who look like they're wearing a suit of armor but it's just their body like you know he just he, he loves these gigantic uh, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal looking bitches yeah I would love to have been a defense attorney because those guys can wear whatever the fuck they want in fact the more outlandish their outfits a criminal def- like a high powered criminal defense attorney uh huh they look great. Yeah. They can be real dandies. Yes. Uh, yes. Or or they can go the other way. Like right, Ron Cuby like, and just look like a total schlub. Right. How, Howard, uh, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Howard uh, Green. Uh, one of, another one of these. He defended uh, the guy who cut the kid's feet off in, in Brooklyn. Oh, um, uh, Levy. Um, Levy Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so Levy Aaron who, that he he kept the kid's feet in the freezer. Yeah, and and he it turned out he just forgot to throw them away. He just you know it no. wasn't like a, a weird. Yeah, he <laughs> just he just like neglected to throw those away. Shut up! Um, I thought it was like a fetish thing. No, he's that, that guy had no fetishes. You know what he liked to do is karaoke. That guy was hyper normal and stupid. You know, no he, he was way. into who. He was into Hootie and the Blowfish. No, I mean, he was, you know, criminally insane, obviously, but he was. But he didn't. You're telling me, but why did he kill the little boy then? You know why he killed the little boy? Because he picked him up to give him a ride or to, you know, whatever. And and then, like, I don't think he was planning on killing him at that point. And he went to a wedding and the kid apparently went to the wedding with him or stayed in the car or something while he was at the wedding. And then he got back home and he's like, uh, well, you you can stay over if you want, you know, whatever. So he, he, like, the kid just, like, stayed over, you know? And then, like, when he woke up and all this fucking shit was going on, this kid's missing. Oh, my God. Libby Kletsky's missing. Uh... He panicked, and he just was like, he just didn't want to get in trouble, so he just, you know. He's like, oh, shit, a, a, oh, shit, I guess we got to. Oh, and so he just was like, he cut him up and was just dumping his body different places, and he forgot his feet. He threw the body in the dumpster. I assume that he wanted the kid's feet in particular, and that's why he. Um... Why he did the whole thing. Yeah, that the kid, in, in fact, if the kid had just given up his feet, he just thing. would sit cross-legged and pick a saw. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. When this all started, I was like, this whole quarantine, before the quarantine, I was like, shit, I better, I'm going to get it. So I got my hair cut. Um, and I was thinking, right before I, I went, I was like, gee, I wonder if I could just send out my head to get it. 
then I realized that wouldn't work. But like that's, if that you, is a that that's in the future someday. I think that I think we'll get to that. Please God. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, that's the way that that one went. Uh, back to uh, that's right because they, they actually went all the way upstate to go to the wedding. Oh, um, it was it was yeah, it was very far. Yeah, it was a real. It was just real bad judgment, and I think that this kid was like uh, he must have been. It must have been the first time he ever. I don't know what was going on in this in in his head, really. But it's uh, like we could speculate. Like, why would somebody end up spending time with a kid? It wasn't a sexual thing at all. There was no sign of any kind of like any of that on the kid's body. So I think that he just probably had made a friend or something. You know, like. Uh, you know, he was this guy was a big he was a big Hootie and the Blowfish fan. No, you know? he wasn't. No, he was. He wanted to be on America's Got Talent. He would go and do karaoke and sing Hootie and the Blowfish. Really? And this was in two thousand what eleven? Yeah. <laughs> Not at the height of their popularity. Would you be interested in um going to visit him? I uh I, 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 well, I, sure. I mean, I, I, not really though, because, uh, I don't know. I mean, is it a possibility? You think that's some kind of a possibility? Why not? To go he's, visit somebody like that? He's in prison. We could. I like this. In March 2012, Aaron appeared in court via video conferencing while his attorney scheduled a new trial date. Uh, in May, in May 2012, he appeared before the court again video, via video conferencing. The video, his lawyer was Howard, Howard Greenberg, was his attorney. Okay. That video showed he had gained at least 50  pounds since his arrest. I, mm-hmm. wait, sometimes Wikipedia has the oddest little like um, the oddest little um, factoids. Well, you know why they do because the post does. Oh, good point. You know, I, uh, I, I remember that that was. That was the story that day. I mean, I'm sure we talked about that. Man, Levy Aaron has put on weight. <laughs> Listen to this. In June 2017, Levy Aaron's brother, Tzvi, was found dead in the same house where Levy Kletsky's body was discovered. Wow. When? Maybe we could go in 2017. Maybe we should visit that house. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's Well, I mean, it's down in Borough Park, and I know that... Uh, Maybe we should rent that house. We might. <laughs> Man, it's just, every idea is better than the last one. I'm afraid for you to keep talking. It's gonna. I know. Like, right? okay, yeah. So okay, back to this. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. It was just Sanford Rubinstein got us all off. Uh, now Gail, along with his mother and sister, appeared outside the DA's office in downtown. Uh, Gail didn't speak. I'm still shaken up by the Sid Gail's sister. She's 32. When I see my brother on camera being abused, mistreated, and kidnapped and charged for something that he didn't do, it really breaks my heart. Kidnapped. I, I don't know if kidnapped is exactly... Well, they're into that. They're into, like, everything's yeah. kidnapping. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it says, beaten but still fighting. That was the headline. And this guy, he is a foot and a half taller than Sanford uh, Rubenstein. I mean, this kid is gigantic. So basically, the cops were like, hey, you uh, put your hands up or whatever. And he was like, I don't know who you are. Who the fuck are you? And the guy's like, shut the fuck up. 
and then the, the guy's like, put your hands up. And then he's like, I'm not showing you, blah, blah, blah. And then the a cops rushed in and were like, fuck this guy. There was some sort of a scuffle, probably. And then that's when, uh, yeah. I, it sounds to me as if, uh, I, I don't know, the charges being dropped. I mean, like, I don't know. If he, if he had marijuana, he had marijuana. Of course, that doesn't really get charged that much anymore. And you know what? As part of our broken windows policy, uh, you know, marijuana is now, it, it's that's going to be sort of a missing element of that in a lot of cases, isn't it? Because, you well, know, they can you, still arrest, they can still arrest you if you're smoking it. Right. Well, and and they can arrest you, you know. But I think that the it's their policy. It's it's a difference yeah, in policy. But if and you're law. smoking it, that's 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 like enough, like whatever. You know, they they can use that as a pre- so they can search you and stuff. Right. You know what? And uh, and and the kid was smoking it. Here we go. This is a, a sort of a letter to the editor, I suppose, and I'll just read it regarding your editorial, the no bail fiasco in New York. On, uh, and then it, and it uh, gives this case. On June 11, 1996, Evelyn Alvarez, the owner of a dry cleaning establishment on the Upper East Side, was murdered as she was opening her shop and the attacker's fingerprints were found at the scene. They matched those to an individual who had been arrested and fingerprinted several months before for turnstile jumping. Without that prior arrest, one can only guess how many more crimes this individual would have committed. As it was, a string of attacks on women he had committed was halted. Hmm. And it said thereafter, criticism of the then controversial broken windows policy decreased dramatically. So I have to say that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, like, that's a very dramatic illustration of it, too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, it now. But yeah, but it, not what's anymore. not good is that we're yeah, we're letting that go by the wayside. And, you know, it's just. It's law enforcement. It's it's the little crimes. It's the big crimes. They all work together, and uh, that used to be good. Yeah, it used to be good. <laughs> it was a good system at one time. All right, so uh, go to crimereport.nyc and check out uh, the the videos uh, and, and and links to the articles that we've been talking right about. Right now, not you. Oh, uh, oh, oh! Yeah. I thought you were telling me. No, I'm telling them momentarily to do this, uh, and uh, and then there's always a whatever you know some different stuff on there. Uh, one more story here before I let you go. Uh, you know they've they've been letting out these people uh, from uh, the you know from Rikers and, and whatnot. Uh, you know some because of the virus. Well, a man was mugged at gunpoint down in the village uh, early Saturday, hours after he was released from the jail complex due to coronavirus concerns. <laughs> so uh-huh. he was. The victim, a 36-year-old awaiting trial on an October assault case, was robbed of his phone and wallet at 2 a.m. on West 4th Street. Hmm. He was among the 50. He was among the more than 50 Rikers detainees ordered sprung Friday, and his two muggers are still at large. So, uh, it's uh, I get maybe things have gotten tougher out there since this guy, you know. That's good. Was arrested. <laughs> Uh, Seth Barron, uh, I'm very happy to have had you join me today. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Pat. Yep. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.